Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the podcast, Mum, You've Got This. Uh, It has been a minute between podcasts, almost exactly a year actually since I recorded with Amy um, for episode 21, which was in March last year when our whole world's completely changed. I did a little special update um, in May just to let everyone know that things were still happening with the podcast Um, but it's just taken me a long time to get back on here um, and start recording again. I think the effects of last year is probably a reason why. I think it was all very very draining um, for everyone and I personally did struggle quite a bit um, you know with the whole isolation with being removed from family when the borders closed all about family is basically in Tasmania and we're in Victoria so I found that really hard starting a new job a whole bunch of things Um, and I know that pretty much all of us were in the same boat so I just didn't have the energy to jump on and record and I've been looking at recording an episode again for a long time but um, have been waiting for the right person to find the exactly right perfect person to jump on here tell their story, inspire me and inspire others. And I found that person. It's so exciting. So I, the person on the episode today is Zach and I'll introduce him in a second. So it's exciting because firstly, he's a male, which is very special. I've been looking to get a male on here for a long time. So I'm excited to have Zach here for many reasons. Um, And also Zach is a colleague of mine. So we first met around this time last year when I was actually leaving the business that we, um, that I was at and Zach was replacing me. We met and just, you can, you know, sometimes you meet people and you just click and you can just kind of tell that they're your kind of person. And that's exactly how I felt about Zach. And I hope he felt about me. Um, So it was very sad to be leaving him and going to another company. Um, but we kept connected and I actually am now back at the same company and we now work together in a team with another awesome person in Victoria and we work together, which is, which is fantastic. So we were, um, we've been away together last week. We had a good chat about the podcast and he has agreed to come on. So Zach, welcome. And thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for having me today. Really excited uh, to be doing this and love working with you as well. Uh, as, as well as being a friend outside of work. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So maybe if you just start by sharing a little bit about you, like um, who you are, what you do, your age, your family dynamic and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I am a 30-year-old, 38-year-old, sorry. <laughs> 38-year-old, I wish I was 30. Um, I'm a 38-year-old um, Lebanese background, um, uh, work in finance, um, been working in finance for 10 years and um, very close to my family and friends um, and yeah very very um, uh, family and work uh, how can I say driven uh, mm. backgrounds I guess so yeah. yeah and so what about your life from um, like your younger youth like going to school and from a career point of view yeah. what you wanted to do to then what you ended up doing and your your life if you just want to talk for as long as you want about yeah, that sure thing. Um, I never really thought I would be here and what I'm doing today to be honest um, uh, when I went back in school um, I actually did not finish year 12. Um, I, um, I finished my year 11 and I was too focused on 
selling contact lenses to my um, <laughs> to my st uh, class rather than focusing on on work. Um, sorry, on school. So um, hang on a minute. Why did you? Why are we selling? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what what was going on back then, but um, maybe I was driven to be in sales or destined to be in sales for some random reason. Um, but I thought it would be really cool to try out contact lenses. It was probably the in thing back in the days, and I was buying a whole bulk of it. Is this like coloured contact lenses? Coloured contact lenses. I had one like green and one would be blue, for example. Um, and to be honest, uh, I wasn't focusing on my year 11. It was really how do I make money, basic basic mentality. Mm. Um, the I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is um, uh, when I was in year 11, that was the main drive. Um, and I was stopped by my coordinators saying, hey, what are you doing? Like, are you are you here to study or are you here to sell contact lenses? Like, what what's the go? Um, uh, very quick, I was then obviously dropped out of school, and I remember my career <clears throat> my career advisor saying, "Have you thought about doing hospitality? You'll be great at it." So I took a, a diploma in in hospitality, and I thought that's where my future um, was destined to be. Um, I kind of did that for around 10, 10 or so years, maybe 15 years almost. Um, and I love dealing with people, you know, being around people was amazing. Um, learning to serve and understand um, people in general, because when you're, it's different to these days, but back then, I guess, as I was doing it, I was learning and studying people whilst serving them, if that makes sense. So learning body language. Um, if someone's um, needing something, being attentive um, and just uh, having a bit of that focus on what it is that that end customer is looking for, whether it's experience and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a lot that's happened in my life. Um, I, I was married at 19 and it was my choice. Um, the reason I got married was um, at an early age, I wasn't sure of myself. Uh, when I say I wasn't sure of myself, I wasn't sure of who Zach is. Um, Zach, the person you see today is different to the Zach, you know, 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and, and reasons for that is obviously as you grow, you're, you're learning who you are and you're discovering uh, what it is that you're, you know, you want in life. Um, but I can, I can definitely say to anyone listening, I do not encourage someone to get married at 19, that's for sure, because <laughs> you absolutely don't know who you are. Um, uh, I got married because um, I did fall in love with uh, a young girl um, who was also a very close family member. Um, she was overseas um, and I basically didn't know this person. Um, and then part of our culture is, you know, get married, do the kids thing, etc. Um, and uh, I did that. Um, she wanted to have a child straight away because um, her older sister had issues with pregnancy, and <clears throat> and she didn't want to take you know the pill and stuff like that. So we fell pregnant. I think within a month of uh, of, of marriage, um, and it all just happened so quick. For me, um, I was working 
back then at Qantas, Qantas Flight Catering um, at the Melbourne airport. Um, and that job was basically hospitality as well. Um, and basically putting um, the meals on the flights for, um, for the cabin crew. So that was my, my everyday job. Um, I think I was, <laughs> I think I was, I, I'm remembering looking back and I'm sorry if I'm going off topic, but I remember looking back and I think I was bullied a lot then because of the fact that I was getting married at a young age. And around that time there was like September 11 and, you know, it was a bit of a struggle being, you know, uh, from a, a Middle Eastern background. Mm. So just looking back on that, I'm like, mm, that, that wasn't so pleasant, but, you know, you get through it. Um, and then uh, secretly I was struggling through a lot of my personal um, feelings inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, how can I say? <laughs> uh, I was also struggling with my sexuality. Um, mm. And that was the reason or the motive or the drive to, to get married at a young age is to hide a lot of the, the stuff that I was actually feeling. Why did you feel like you had to hide that? Um, I wanted to, like, I felt like I had to hide because something that maybe wasn't accepted in our culture or any culture really. Um, mm. uh, it was a little bit of maybe could be religion, um, could be what the family thought of me. Um, and just that, that pride, I guess, um, and dignity. Um, so I just felt like I had to hide who, who I really was um, and hiding it through marriage was probably not the answer. But to be fair, I did fall in love with this girl mm. um, and I did want to start a family. Um, and I, I, we ended up having a second child three years after. Um, and just before, or whilst she was pregnant, um, I was pretty, I'm not going to say the word brave enough, but that's how I felt at the time to be able to, to um, come to a realization that this is not really my life. And what is it that I need to do to, um, to, be, to be true to myself and obviously the person that I was with at the time. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to be one of those guys that, you know, like, uh, you know, cheats on their wife or, you know, keeps them um, into something that obviously is not going to be a fair result for them as well. So I actually, on my um, birthday, came out to my wife in, in our bedroom. Um, and how it happened was... Um, she kept trying in the relationship, she just kept trying to um, fix the relationship and I would push her away and push her away and say, look, um, it's nothing you're doing wrong. It's just something I'm not feeling is, is sitting well with me. So the more I would, I'd, I'd say stuff like that, the more it would push her to, to come and, you know, be more attentive or, you know, um, try to do things better for me. And I, it, that really um, wasn't sitting well with me. And I felt like uh, it wasn't fair for her. 
Mm. So I had to actually let her know. And we both cried, obviously. Um, it wasn't the best news. Um, she was pregnant with our second child. She's like, why didn't you tell me earlier? Because maybe we could have, um, you know, stopped this pregnancy, I guess. Um, and yeah, and then, and yeah, it was just, it was just a hard time. And then we, we did agree to stay together under one roof, um, obviously support her. And maybe it was just me thinking, oh, you know what, it's probably just a phase and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, just trying to think what happened. <laughs> so, um, and then, um, after a year, um, and a bit, um, we stuck it in, obviously she didn't out me to family. We, we pretended we were a happy couple. Um, and we found out that my youngest daughter, Alyssa, uh, was walking and talking and everything was was normal but we started to notice things were taking a bit of a dip and her walking would she would be falling over quite a bit um her words started to slur um i felt like um her motor skills weren't being developed as fast as they should be so we went out to see a podiatrist at the time and um, and the podiatrist just said, oh, look, you know, maybe the older child, Aya, was, um, you know, maybe walked a little bit faster than, than Alyssa, but um, uh, maybe it's just, you know, a, a slower development. And we never thought of anything past that. Um, my ex-wife was, wasn't really happy with the answers and wanted to seek a specialist um, second opinion. Um, and then having to do that, uh, we did discover that um, she's got a, an illness um, that runs through um, both our mother's um, genes. Mm. Um, and it, it's called metachromatic leukodystrophy. So what that basically is, if I was just to um, simplify what that means, is the white matter um, in the brain doesn't has spread and it doesn't allow the brain to communicate with the muscles and everything starts to shut down. And you can get that in either a, um, a young age, um, a, a mid-age or an adult age as well. And there's probably better terms for them, but I just can't remember what they're called. Um, it is a terminal illness and we knew that we obviously didn't have much time with her. Um, she was around a year and a half at the time of being diagnosed and that just absolutely um, broke us um, knowing that we actually don't know or don't understand how much more time we've got with her. Um, and there's practically nothing you can do for this illness, to be honest. Um, there's no proper research being done um, and sorry, no cure has been done uh, over all this research that's, that they found. Um, there was one operation where they could take um, bone marrow from the knee and help slow it down. But to us, we were like, why would you want to slow this down? It's just going to, um, you know, it's just going to extend her, her life, but she's still going to be suffering, I guess, 
Um, so we decided not to go ahead with that um, procedure. Um, we didn't want to prolong her life for her to suffer, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of lot of lot of times where we had to go into you know specialists and tests and and all of that. Um, we had an amazing surgeon um, and specialist doctor that um, spoke to us um, on a weekly basis, just letting us know what to expect, what's next, um, and what medication she'll be on. You know, catheters. You know how she'll be eating, and to provide her a quality of life. Um, and we caught up with. Um, a family in America that also had a daughter with the same um, illness, and uh, we kept we stayed in touch with them, and they basically um, gave their daughter a quality of life, and she lasted up until she was seven years old. So, with that information, we tried our best to provide the best care for her, um, and. Um, yeah, and we, we, do, we did our best to, to obviously um, give her that best quality of life, basically. Um, now, throughout that, um, obviously, I was still dealing with personal things. Um, my ex-wife, um, I guess, had a lot going on and probably didn't want... Um, she wanted to get on with her life, deal with her children and probably not have me around as well because um, maybe I was holding her back or maybe she was having too much there or maybe I was um, probably not as supportive as I should have been now looking back at it. Um, I, was in a, I was in a state where, um, you know, I've got two children. One is terminally ill. I was coming out. Um, I was trying to understand who I was. I was so confused. Um, so all these mixed feelings and emotions were really um, taking a bit of a toll. And um, yeah, it was just looking back, it was a lot to take in, um, to be honest. And um, sometimes people deal with pressure really well. Um, I'd like to think that I, I did deal with, with the amount of pressure well enough. Um, that I didn't cause any self-harm or um, go into like, you know, a mental state of mind and stuff like that. Um, but also I did need to be, I did have to, I had to be strong for my family and obviously for my kids as well. Um, I remember a time where I think it was a year and a half after where I think she, uh, my, my ex-wife had enough and she was like, I think you need to move out. This is not working, um, et cetera. And I totally respected her opinion there. So I did move out. Um, and I remember as I, was, as I would be visiting, um, just to put that in perspective, um, I was actually, it was 2008, and I was studying uh, music, thinking this is something I want to get myself into. Um, so I thought music would be, the, um, would be my next type of uh, career path. Um, and whilst I was doing that, um, there was a time where I remember it was around October 2008 where she rang me and said, I need you to file for divorce. And for me, 
that was a bit of a wake up call because I wasn't sure how to take that. Because in my mind, I was thinking, great, like I'm free, I'm I'm able to do the things I want. But I guess in a selfish way, I still wanted to have my cake and eat it. And um, I still wanted her to be around, but still wanted that freedom to go out and explore who I was. Um, and I just, I realized very quick that that's not something you can do to someone either. So um, we went to, we, we filed for divorce. And I remember the priest was like, you know, like trying to talk us out of it. Are you guys sure? And it was very, um, uh, what's the word? Amicable? Like, mm -hmm. yep. Um, and he was just very surprised as, as to why these two are getting a divorce. Anyway, we did that. And within a, a month, um, I think I remember seeing um, something. I was, in, I was in my old house visiting um, my children. And I remember going up the stairs and my sister and my daughter, my oldest daughter was saying, close your eyes. I was going up to see her bedroom because she's changed it and she's done stuff to it. And I remember going up the stairs and um, they're like, St stand here, don't move. We're just going to like go clean it up and then, you know, and, and surprise you. I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, so as I was closing my eyes, I see someone walk out of my old master bedroom straight into the bathroom um, and it was my brother and um, and I was like what's going on like what you know what's what's happening here is there something that I've missed um, anyway I knock on the door to, to get it open and there was a bit of a delay for the door to open um, and I remember um, I remember there was a like it was warm and there was a, you can tell something was has been happening in the bedroom. Um, and I'm like, open up. I just want to see Alyssa, my daughter, and she was in there. Um, and my ex-wife opens up and I realized that obviously these two were in the room and he was, he had a towel around him as he was leaving the room. So it just didn't look right or sit well with me. Um, so I went to take a seat and I just wanted to understand what I saw. I just couldn't, I couldn't process it in time, I guess. Um, and um, I said, what's, what's going on? You know, what's happening here? I'm not, I don't get it. Um, and she's like, it's none of your business, blah, 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 all, all that. So I storm off, I bring my mum. And I'm like, hey, I don't know what I saw, but I think something that I saw wasn't right, blah, blah, blah. And I remember my mum saying um, something along the lines that what you saw is not wrong. Um, everything that you've seen is um, legal, basically. I think what she was really trying to say that they're secretly married. We didn't know how to tell you. Um, and there's the bombshell. <laughs> and I was like, um, I, I honestly did not know how to take it. I think that broke me even more, even though I, um, I came out to her and obviously she's free to live her life. Um, in our culture, we just have this thing where, you know, if someone passes away, like just say the, the brother passes away, 
and he was married and they've got children, then um, whether it's an old tradition or not, but um, my mother encouraged my younger brother to, I guess, look after them and keep her in the family. Um, and yeah, it just, it just did not sit well with me. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I remember screaming at the top of my lungs and my legs were shaking and they, they all asked me to sit down because they said, look down, look, look at your legs, you're shaking. Um, and I just was, I, I just wasn't there. Mm. Um, I was in another place. And I think that was the time when I was like, you know what, I don't need this anymore. Um, and at times people go, oh, you run away from problems and stuff like that. So um, I didn't want to run away, but there was an opportunity for music to, for me to join a band in Sydney. I didn't realise it was in Sydney and um, it, was an, it was an opportunity for me to exit here and continue seeing them together. I, I did ask them to stop seeing each other, this is not right, you know, how could you guys do this to me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, it is their life. They can do whatever they want. Um, I just couldn't see it back then. Um, so I did move to Sydney. Um, I left my children behind. Sounds horrible, um, thinking about it now. Um, it actually broke me even further because even though I did go to Sydney, um, moving to Sydney probably wasn't the best decision, um, but it was what needed to happen. Um, and I'll explain that a little bit later as to why, but it needed to happen. Um, I went there. Um, I hit rock bottom in Sydney, to be honest. I, I, there was a lot of times when I, I moved not knowing anyone. I moved there with no money. Um, oh, was how old were you, Zach? I was probably around 26 years old. Yeah. Yep. Um, I moved there with no money. I knew I could land a job because I knew that, you know, I've got my hospitality background. I can, I can do anything if I just put my head to it. Um, I didn't really have a plan when I moved. And I was speaking to a guy there that helped me with accommodation and, um, sharing with five other people in a double-storey house. Um, it was in Beverly Hills in Sydney. And I thought, oh, yeah, Beverly Hills, I've made it, you know. <laughs> um, it's not the Beverly Hills that, that, you know, no palm trees, nothing. Um, and I was like, okay, this is my new life. What do I do? And, you know, you take a new chapter. And um, very quickly I had to get cafe work and stuff like that. And I remember landing a job with Sofitel in the city. And my goodness, that was the most horrible job I've ever done. Um, and the reason for it was, um, how can I say? Um, it was all French background. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't speak French uh, in the cafe. They, I remember the lady hiring me was asking me because of my um, management background in hospitality, um, why would why I haven't applied for a management role? And I've just said, look, I've just moved to Sydney. I'm not in the right 
mindset to do management at the moment, uh, maybe down track. So I'm not sure if she held that against me or not, but um, I felt very uh, bullied at the time. And I remember them making fun of my my shoes and my shoe size, and it was just, it was just it was just horrible. I'm telling you, like um, I remember I I obviously I'm a I've got a beard and I've got you know. I grow hair, obviously being Middle Eastern, and they expected me to to shave. And that was one of the requests that I had to shave my beard off to be able to present. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy to do that. Um, and I remember this one time I, I, I rocked up to work and it was very, I was going to be late and I must have had like a, a shadow beard or something like whatever you call it. And um, I remember them giving me a blade from housekeeping and said, you need to go shave your beard. Mm. And I'm like, but I am shaven. And they're like, no, it needs to be shorter. So I remember going to the bathroom and obviously if you haven't showered or steamed properly, it's really hard mm. for hair to, and I get a rash on my neck as it is. So I remember this one bladed beard and I'm sitting there shaving and my whole face was bleeding. That's, that's how bad it was. Oh and I remember, this is not my life. This is not how I pictured <laughs> what's happened. Like, where, where am I? Like, mm. um, and I was that frustrated and um, upset with myself, you know, to the point that, you know, I'm, this is not who I am. I remember going back to the restaurant. And this is funny because this really resonates with me till today where I, I remember people, business people, having coffees and lunches all the time, whether or not they were like part of the, the hotel or people that came into the hotel. Um, there was a lot of um, famous people that were also would be having lunches and dinners and business meetings. And I remember sitting, standing there one time and I said, one day I'm going to be sitting down doing business meetings enjoying coffees and lunches and just building relationships as these people are. And this is uh, back in yeah. 2009 and 10-ish. Um, honestly, Danielle, that was the drive. Mm. Um, and um, the housemates that I lived with at the time all worked in banking and all worked in call centres and I worked for St. George Bank, which is our bank of Melbourne here in, in, in Melbourne. Um, so was it just by chance that you happened to live with those people? It was just through another connection and they needed a housemate? And It was just by chance. I, didn't, I did not know these people. Mm. And by chance, they were like, oh, you should come work with us. And I said, look, I can't work and live with you, but I'll have a look at Westpac, the sister bank. Um, and I applied for Westpac. I was tested to do a phone call conversation, which um, I pretty much was just pretty much myself on the phone and they really liked my tone and they go, you know what, we're going to give you a shot. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, and very quickly, as I was in Westpac, they, I don't know if they could see more than what I had to offer at the time. And I remember my manager saying, you need to be in relationships. You, need, you, you hold really good conversations. Um, you don't just do your job. You actually get to know the person on the other end. Um, and she put that, she also planted that seed as I'm going 
So I was like, okay, so, you know, that's something I want to do. Um, long story short, as all this was happening, um, obviously almost under, at a, um, every three or four weeks, I would be traveling to Melbourne on weekends to see my children. Um, you got to keep in mind back then there was no Zoom. There was no um, digital platforms that you can, you know, um, mm. call on. Um, and that was a lot of my money was being spent on that. Um, and it wasn't uh, sustainable long term. So every time I'd, I'd make a dollar, it would be spent pretty much on my children to come here. Um, uh, there was a time where um, my daughter was getting worse. And I had a chat to my manager and I've told them what, what is hap what's happening. And they were like, no, you've got to go drop everything, leave. We'll help you with a, um, a job with Bank of Melbourne, but you've got to apply, et cetera, et cetera. And also at a call centre. Um, so I, I did have to drop everything and leave. Um, and my ex-wife at the time, we, we were still on shaky grounds, but I guess I had to leave everything behind and go, you know what, let them live their life. Um, you know, who am I to say who can be with who? Like maybe they connected based on meeting me. You know, I always believe in, you know, their relationship was, um, they met through me, but they're meant to be together basically. Um, so I remember coming back, um, I had a partner at the time in Sydney, also had to um, let go of that relationship because he couldn't move down to Melbourne. Um, and um, I had to rebuild myself here again in Melbourne and at the same time, give her the last bit of quality of life. Um, we weren't sure how long, but they were, they were telling us it's soon. Um, she was a fighter and very strong and she kept fighting for another year um, and it was around um, the it was in September um, of 2013 and that's when she got like everything started to change you can tell that's it she was you know in her last days and um, unfortunately we lost Alyssa on the 22nd of September, 2013. Mm. Um, and she just turned seven years old on the first. Um, I've never in my life had to bury someone. And I can tell you it was the hardest thing I have ever had to do in life. Um, when you're six feet underground with your child wrapped in cloth, um, and people are screaming at you from the top of their lungs and you're looking up, trying to understand what it is they're trying to tell me. Um, back then they were telling me to turn her on her right shoulder, part of our tradition for some reason. Mm. Um, we don't have um, coffins or anything. We, we bury straight into the ground. Um, and I couldn't hear them because when you're underground, you can't, for some reason, sound waves don't follow. Um, so I, had, I remember I had to leave her laid down, walk a few steps, try to climb out of this um, hole, 
And, um, and then I could start to hear everyone yelling and I'm like, what's going on? Uh, I'm in tears, obviously. I'm in a suit. My whole outfit is all muddy as well because I'm in the ground, but I did not care. And they're telling, turn her on her right shoulder. Don't let her lay flat. And I'm like, okay, got it. I'll go back down and I'm turning her. I, I say a little prayer and then, um, yeah, and it, look, it all happened very quick, but my goodness, um, I, would, mm-hmm. I don't wish this on anyone, honestly. And I never thought that I would, you never think a parent is bearing, like it's always the child, you know, in, in normally you would think the child would be bearing the parents, not the other way around. So, um, yeah, look, I know she's, she's my, um, my little angel. Um, my mum always has a positive um, saying that, you know, that's your little ticket to heaven. Um, you know, she got away, but she's being well looked after or she's like your little bird and all of that stuff. So I, I always try to see the positive in life. Yeah. Um, and even till this day, like, um, I look at my the way my life is, my career, all of it. And I'm very thankful, Danielle. Like I look back and go, everything was meant to happen as it is. Yeah. I, I can't go back and change it. I would never will. You know, I was meant to meet her, uh, meet my ex-wife. Um, I was meant to have the children. I was meant to um, go to Sydney. I was meant to stumble across these people and, and meet that manager and, you know, and come back to Melbourne um, wish her well, and then actually start my journey. Um, so I, yeah, it's just, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all that. And sometimes in life, you need to let things just happen. Like let them be, there's no answer. We don't, we don't understand what's happening right now because we can't see it. It's not written as yet for us. Um, but just trust and know that whether it's the universe, um, whether it's energy, um, God, um, whatever you believe in, um, there's always a reason for it to happen. So I did not see that back then. I definitely, every day that goes past, I always look back and go, oh, my God, the dots were meant to connect this way. And there was no other way they were going to be connected, basically. It would have been so hard. Do you... Like I can't imagine losing a child and everything that you went through. Do you feel like that experience you talk about having that perspective on life of things, you know, and I don't think anyone would ever say that a child passing happened for a reason. Like I know that you mean the the circumstances surrounding everything that led you to the point that you are now, but do you think that particularly that point and everything that happened around it started to get you thinking along that way, that way of being like trying to see the positives and I guess appreciate and um, have more gratitude for what you have and things like that. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're spot on there. It's definitely um, taught me to appreciate a lot more things in life. Um, um, it, it, I was referring to what was happening around, absolutely. Um, I didn't never wish anyone to lose a child, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but you, I, I feel like I need to stay looking at the bright side. Um, it is okay for me to 
um, I always say to myself, it's okay to feel hurt and loss. I have a fear of loss. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, you know, life happens. Um, but it has definitely taught me to appreciate and value everything, you know, mm. people, relationships, um, things that happen, things that don't happen. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because you're at a stage now, like when we met, you, you just, yeah, and people can probably hear from your voice, you're just such a calm, you've got a calming nature and like energy around you. Like I feel so, I feel like if something was to go drastically wrong, I'd be like, I want I want Zach there in my corner because I feel like your approach to it and your attitude to it and everything is just one of, okay, well, this is what it is and this is how we move through it as opposed to dwelling on it or trying to change it or whatever. Like I feel like your personality now is just so admirable. And I think, you know, knowing a fair bit about you, you've got, you're at a stage in your life, like you're you're obviously amazing at your career. You've got a beautiful relationship with your daughter, Aya. Um, You've got just about everything that you kind of want in life and, potentially your attitude from you know going through the devastation of losing Elisa has helped to you could have gone one direction or the other with everything that you went through and you've chosen the direction you've had and that's led you down this beautiful path thank you yeah look um it it has molded me to the person I am that's for sure um but yeah I just I just find that focusing on, on positives and how we can um, find solutions and, and stuff like that is probably more uh, where the energy should always be. Um, yeah, I just, I think I've, I've learned to do that. And that's probably my, um, what do they call it? My, um, you know, uh, d- dealing with it, or what do they call it? Dealing Coping mechanism. Coping, coping mechanism, yeah. <laughs> so um, trying to find, you know, the good, the good in a, a really sticky or bad situation. Do you have any any ways? So when did Alyssa pass? 13? Um, 2013. Yeah. Do you have any um, special ways that you kind of try and honour her memory or, um, you know, do you visit her or, yeah, anything that Absolutely. you do? Yeah, um, I do visit her. She's she's at the Springvale Cemetery, um, and um, when I've got meetings and stuff, I go past and obviously um, try and make the effort to say hello. Um, um, we've done a lot of fun runs as well, um, and raise a lot of um, fundraising uh, for the children to be um, the fun runs are. Uh, are some of my favourites um, that we've done. Um, and we've made T-shirts and Team Alyssa and stuff like that. Um, and it's also to raise awareness because a lot of people don't know what metachromatic um, leukodystrophy is. It's not. It's a very, very rare disease. Mm. Um, but um, hopefully people can, can see that as well. But, yeah, always on my mind. Um, mm. my, my, my other daughter, Aya, is turning 18 next Wednesday. And... Um, we were having a look at photos and, and Alyssa's photos came up and um, again, it just brings back memories, you know, her first walk and stuff like that. So it's, it's really cute, very 
um, yeah, very memorable stuff. And your daughter Aya, who is is going down the path of her line of work, has kind of been a bit inspired by her sister. Yeah, correct. So um, Aya's been um, accepted and has started at Monash University as an occupational therapist. Um, Aya's got two sisters that have both um, been impacted with some type of illness. Um, so my ex-wife and my brother, they also had a young daughter um, who's almost three and she's suffering from um, like things like seizures and, and also something related to um, muscular dystrophy. Um, so for Aya, I believe that, again, and this is how dots connect, yeah, where, um, you know, if it wasn't for those experiences and life events, um, maybe that wasn't the path that she would have been in. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. as an occupational therapist. So it's just amazing how, and this is me again, and I'm sorry, <laughs> looking at things in a positive way, I guess, but um, when... I'd be sorry for that. <laughs> no, that's really, I'm just thinking like when, when something like that happens, um, it just opens up opportunities for someone yeah. else to be able to help help them or help others and stuff like that. So mm. I'm very proud of her um, for, for making that uh, career choice. And I really do hope she, she sticks to it because I think she'll do amazing at it. Yeah. And so what's life like for you now? Maybe talk about that. Yeah. So um, I'm about to turn 39. <laughs> um, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head when you said um, things like, uh, you mentioned that I feel like I have everything I want in my, in my life. Um, there's always room for obviously improvement, doing better and stuff like that, but I'm very satisfied. I'm happy with who I am, uh, what I've achieved, career, um, you know, my children and even my family and friends. Um, I guess I guess having a partner would be nice, <laughs> but, but not because I need one. It's just to share life with. Life, I guess yeah. that that's all it is. Just um, company is always good to have. I guess. And like you say, I'm sure he will present himself at the right <laughs> time when the rest of the dots connect. That's it. <laughs> around the corner. At the right time, it will present itself. You are spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just, it, I was shocked as you knew the other night when we were talking about everything that you'd been through and the loss of your beautiful, beautiful daughter, um, especially. And um, yeah, I'm just, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I think it's beautiful to almost honour her memory by talking about it as well was nice and, and just your whole experience and how you talk about how your life experience has molded you to be the person that you are. I think it's inspiring to know that, you know, if you hear from people that you can face some really, really challenging um, and adverse situations, but you can sort of choose what you do with those situations for the rest of your life. And I think that, yeah, the person that you are and have become is just so, so beautiful. And it's an honour to know and get to work with you every day. Thanks, Danielle. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me share my story, actually. So, Thank you. I hope it feels good. It's, it's kind of nice to just 
talk. It's very, it's yeah. very calming. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> good. That's Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Zach. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I'm not sure when the next episode will be available, but just depend on when it presents itself. But it will present itself at the right time with all the dots aligning, I'm sure, as we've heard from Zach. Thank you so much for listening and see you all in the next episode.